Well, first, let me just say this. Y'all are awesome because you, not many churches would let their pastor just bleed in front of them, right? And so I, we don't take that for granted. Um, it, this has been a bit of a journey, right, that we've been on. We've been talking about in due time, but we've also been processing a lot of stuff as a church. And so um, thanks for letting us do that. Okay, um, Matthew chapter 7. We don't do this a lot, but we are going to do this this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Um, and I'm going to ask you to stand while we read the word this morning. We should do this all the time. And then if we start doing this all the time, what will happen is I'll preach one of those messages or like Bridget will or some else will, and we'll have like 25 verses in there. We'll just keep up and down, up and down. But I think it's good. I think it's good to honor the word. Um, and while you're standing, let me just say this. Uh, the next two weeks, there could be some overlap, okay? And I just think it's because there's things that are just churning in me and are churning in, um, in the body and the church at large. And so don't, you know, if, if you're like, he said that already, it's okay. Just God's just getting it really down deep in us, right? That's completely okay. I, there's no way I can touch on everything we're going to read this morning. I want to keep it as simple and as clear as I can. But I would recommend to you that you would go on our website and look under the message archives. I think it's under messages and it says past messages. And look for a square that says win, win, W-I-N slash W-H-E-N. And it's a series our church did based on the Sermon of the Mount at the beginning of 2020. The more I look at what we taught before the pandemic hit the more convinced I am that the, man, the Holy Spirit was speaking to the church, preparing us. And so um, go find that. And there's a mess, the last message of that is on this scripture passage as well. It would be well worth looking at that again. All right, so here we go. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Jesus is wrapping up the greatest sermon ever taught. And he says this, Therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose. And the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Before we sit down, we're going to pray, and let me just tell you where I think we're going to end up today. 100% God told me it's all about the foundation, right? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But here's where we're going to end up. We're going to end up praying for people who have experienced a great crash. Okay? And some of those people aren't in the room. They're going to watch this later online. Because the crash has been so great, they're not even sure they want to be in a room. Does that make sense? So I just want you to have your heart prepared, okay? This is really, it sounds really heavy, doesn't it? But it'll be okay. I just think it's weighty what God wants to do. So let's pray. Father, I believe that you have a message for us. And I'm praying right now that you get me completely out of the way. I don't want to be a distraction to what you want to say. And I pray for all the other distractions that they would be removed. We are, as a body, 
intentionally setting aside things that might be important but are not nearly as important as this moment. We want to hear you speak to us from your word, God. And so we are listening. I thank you for the word that is living and active that cuts us to the core, that lays us open and exposes everything to the only one who can heal everything. And so we trust you. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, you guys can, can sit down again. Um, full disclosure, I thought I was going to talk about premature birth today. And I think we'll do that next week. I'd even We had supper last night with Will and Sydney, And I even said to Will, I'm talking about you tomorrow. Because Will and Parker were born seven weeks early. But that was just me trying to get away from what I think what God wants to say this morning. And so next week we'll talk about premature birth. Um, that'll be fun. I should let Wendy do all that talking that day, right? But today, I know we're supposed to talk about foundations. And here, let me tell you how I know. I, I shared this back in the green room. I love when God speaks clearly. How many of you have a hard time hearing God? Raise your hand sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. But, like, don't you love it when he's just, like, so clear? So all, yeah, all week long, I'm thinking, it's all about the foundation. It's all about the foundation. It's all about the foundation. And I, I wanted to go in so many different directions with this passage. And God just kept saying, Paul, it's all about the foundation. So even, even as I woke up this morning, I woke up arguing with God. But God, like, there's another one. I want to go another direction. And it's like, it's all about the foundation. And then I heard Alexa start doing her thing. And I realized that Wendy had told Alexa to start playing worship music. It's, by the way, great strategy there, right? Fill your house with all kinds of Alexas that play worship music. And the first song, Firm Foundation by Maverick City and Brandon Lake. I was like, okay, God, it might be all about the foundation, right? And then I get to church, and I walk in. At kind of the middle of soundcheck, and what song were they singing? Build My Life. Okay, God, I think it's all about the foundation. And he's like, I've been trying to say it's all about the foundation. Now, um, what, I, what I want you to see is that everything goes through storms. But not everything comes through storms. I, I kept the, the, the phrase that kept going in my head this week was so many bubble wrap, right? Bubble wrap went through my mind a lot. We, we are in a culture, and it has seeped even into the church, where we want a safe life. So we, we try to storm-proof our lives. But instead of storm-proofing our lives, I think we're supposed to prepare so that the storms will prove our lives. There's a big difference. I will do whatever I can to make sure I never experience pain. And this is going to be part of what we talk about, I think, next week. But part of the story of Will is that he, 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 came, he was our second twin. Is that how you say it? He was the second twin born. But he, there were 22 minutes between him and Parker. That's a long time. And so the doctor was like telling Wendy, push. 
And Wendy was like, I, huh? It's just, do you feel like you need to push? No. Because the epidural that didn't kick in for Parker was kicking in for Will. And the doctor was like, you've got to push. And she's like, I don't feel the need to push. And I think sometimes that we have so... We've done all that we can to alleviate pain from our lives that we now don't have enough discomfort to push in the church. So we talk about birthing revival. Well, yeah, I want revival. Okay, it'll cost you something. Well, I don't know if I want to pay that. But you have to push. Like, we can't, we can't shelter our lives so much that we won't experience what Jesus clearly taught, and I say this, maybe your version is the same way, but in the NIV, the first 16 words of verse 25 and the first 16 words of verse 27 are exactly the same. Whether you built your life on the right foundation or the wrong foundation, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Everything goes through storms, but not everything comes through storms. Not everything's going to survive it. And so these are just questions that I ask God. If God is so powerful, why won't he do what's good? And here was what his answer to me was. Because I'm powerful enough to only do what's best. I need to say that again. You probably need to write that down. If God is so powerful, why doesn't he do what's good? It's because he's so powerful that he will only do what's best. Parents in the house, raise your hand. You have allowed your children to feel pain because you knew the outcome. So, could Jesus just make sure that if we build our lives on his foundation, we never experience storms? I, I, I would like that. Wouldn't you? I'm signing up for that, right? No storms 101. Check. I'm in that class. But storms are actually what prove the foundation of our lives. A couple verses just to jot down. Boy, I hope this is I hope this makes sense. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 in the New Living Translation says this. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So we've, we've, we've made the majesty of God bow to our limited understanding. I don't see how that can be good. I don't either. But he didn't say that my thoughts were higher than your thoughts. His are higher, right? By the way, um, if you're here and you've been with us very long, you already know this, but I just want to say this. 
because Dallas Willard makes this statement. He says, intimacy is shared experience. Intimacy is shared experience. What that means is when you go through something together, it creates intimacy. He didn't say that intimacy is shared good experience or shared bad experience. Just shared experience. So when people go through tragedy together, have you noticed how they come out stronger and bonded, right? They're like, they would never choose to be in the same place, but they now will forever because they went through the same traumatic experience. Intimacy is shared experience. And I, I jotted this down while I was thinking about this this week. It's a weird thing to put in your notes, but I just wrote this sentence. I'm thankful for the scars in my life because scars speak. I'm not really thankful for the process that caused the scars, right? But this is like, and I, what I felt like the Spirit was prompting me with this week was that what we're preparing to go through is going to require a church that can speak from having scars. Like we're going to be saying to people, it's going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. God's going to be faithful. And they're going to look at our lives and say, I can't discount what you're saying because you have actually been through it. Right? That's why when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, it was coming out of the fire that caused the king to recognize that they were servants of the Most High God. He never called them that before the fire, only when they came through the fire. Fire in our life is an identifier. Identifier. I see what I did there. Come on. Who's making that t-shirt, y'all? That's funny. I just blessed myself right there. <clears throat> okay, a couple more statements and some verses. And it's all about the what? Foundation. I thought more would say it. It's all about the... There we go. Okay, good. <clears throat> I thought we had to go back and rebuild the foundation of the entire message. I wasn't sure what was happening there. So what do we do when we can't see the one that we trust? Um, teenagers in the house, preteens, like when your parents give you something to do while they're gone, and then they're gone, and because they're not with you, you don't do what they said until you hear the car coming up the driveway. And then you're scrambling to do the dishes, get them in the dishwasher. You're just slamming stuff in, shutting it, and hit and go, right? You didn't put any soap in it. You're just trying to make sure it looks like it was done, right? What do we do when we can't see God in the situation that we're in, right? If you're the person that built your life and on, on, on a, the rock, and now the storm is beating on your house, and you can't see him, like, what, what do we do with that, right? What do we do when storms come, and we can't see the one who said, who said he'd be with us? What do we do with that? I think what we do is what every parent wishes their kids would do. Go back to what he said, right? 
I, I know I can't see dad right now, but if I could see him, he would say, clean the dishes while we're gone. Make sure the kitchen's clean. Make your bed, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, do these things while we're gone because we're going to come back. And so sometimes when we don't see God at work, we need to go back to what God said. We might not have him physically in front of us, but we have in the Bible what he said to do. So we go back to his word. We go back to his character. God rarely provides answers, but he always provides perspective. This is why God always answers our why questions with who answers. Y'all have no idea how good this is. Why this? Why that? Why? 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 Why didn't you? Why did you? I am. I didn't ask who you were. I asked why you didn't. I am. Job. Job 42. You know, I should have known where my life was headed when I first got saved. Because, you know, like when you first get saved and people, what do I do now? What, what book should I read in the Bible? And what book do people tell us we should read? John, right? Um, always, John. And if you're not a reader, first John, because it's a lot shorter. <laughs> in, in the Bible that was falling apart that Wendy got fixed for me that I'm so glad to now not have falling apart. If I opened up that Bible, I, I can show you. The first book I read as a believer was Job. Who does that? <laughs> Why didn't somebody stop me, right? <laughs> like, where is the promise of God in this book, right? I'm reading about these big, giant creatures, and what in the world? And I don't want friends like that. What is happening? But I love the story of Job. Because here's a man who, like, the, when he had first lost everything, the first thing he says he did was he fell down and worshiped. His response was, though you slay me, yet will I praise you, right? Doesn't play well in the bless me church of America. I get it, but it's so true. And here's what happens at the end of Job's wrestling match with God. Verse 42, I mean chapter 42, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Do you, do you get that statement? He, Job says, God, you're asking me, who is obscuring my God's plans without knowledge? It's kind of like God saying, who's the dumbest person in the room? And Job realizes it's him because he says, surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen, now I will speak. I will question you, and you will answer me. Job's response in verse 5, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. 
Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And we don't usually read verse 7, but I, I think this is interesting. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz, the Tamanite, I am angry with you and your two friends. Listen why God's angry. Because you have not spoken the truth about me, God. We, we live in a culture of two foundations. And what is seeping into the church right now is counsel that's all about how we are feeling and experiencing things that doesn't speak the truth about God. And I say that as somebody who would like answers, right? I would like for God to tell me some answers to some questions that I have. But if, if our entire experience, not even going to touch deconstruction, right? I don't read a lot of deconstruction in the Bible, but I do read destruction in the Bible. The, the verses we just read, that, that dude is not deconstructing his house. His house is destroyed. And it's not time for, if my house has been destroyed, it's not time for me to start, like, telling other people how they should fix things. I should be falling on my face in repentance and saying, oh God, I have spent my whole life building on the wrong foundation. God's not calling us to rebuild. He's calling us to repent. For wasting our lives, putting really cool things on a shaky foundation. And he's not talking to the world here. He's talking to his followers. So what do we do? If it's all about the foundation, and this is where we, we need to get to the great crash, because this is what I see happening in, 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 I'll say church culture, right? But like just in the church in America especially, is that a lot of us are getting to this place where our houses have collapsed in the storm, and where our eyes are being opened, to realizing that we have had the wrong foundation all along. And I don't know how you feel, but when I get to a place where I look at my life and go, oh God, all the things that I thought I was doing well, I'm not, I'm not sure I even did them for the right reasons on the right foundation. That's a place of horror for me. Oh God, what, what was I thinking? Why were we in such a hurry to get more people in when you were just trying to get more of you in? Why were, we, why were we all about our logo and not your cross, right? Like, that's a place of a great crash. And we, we can't afford to read this and go, well, that's just about the bad people. 
No, it's not. It's about everybody who spent one hour in church and never cracked their Bible the rest of the week. And that's not the world. That's Christians. Well, no, no, that's church people. People who believe in uh, the power of God only when they need it. But not even when others around them need it. This, this is the house that's crashing, y'all. And what I see right now is we're rushing to reconstruct a new house. And listen, if your house falls, it's a good idea to build a new one. But no one's talking about the foundation. The house didn't fall because of the storm. It fell because it wasn't on the right foundation. So let's go back to the foundation, right? What do we do? When Jesus says, if you'll hear these words of mine and put them into practice, then you'll be like a wise person who built on a rock, right? So let's go back to that place. This, some verses just to jot down. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. These are all about the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Isaiah 40. Verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that which I purpose, and it will succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Colossians three sixteen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Don't receive this as like the fired up old preacher dude that's trying to get you to work your way into the kingdom, right? Just receive it for what it for what is intended for. If the word of God is the foundation, Craig Rochelle, if you're watching this, I love Life Church and I love the Uversion app. But if the word of God is my foundation, I shouldn't need an app to remind me to read one verse a day. I'm thankful we have technology, and I have an awesome streak going, right? But if I have to have that to remind me, it's like, why don't we pass offering plates? If I have to remind you to drop a dollar in a plate, I'm not sure you've met Jesus. Or at least I'm not sure your budget has, right? Because we give out of the overflow, out of the love of our heart. We shouldn't have to remind you. Anyway, John 15, 7. We're going to have to wrap this one up. If, I thought this was so interesting. If you remain in me, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Again, this is not to the world. Are y'all good? Your toes okay? Mine are hurting and I'm preaching it. So um, he's talking to the church. And the reason he's talking to the church is because he's purifying the church. Right? 
He's stripping things away. Y'all feel it in your life? And I'm just, I think this is just that cautionary tale where we say, hey, don't be in a hurry to add those things back until we've rebuilt the foundation, right? Everybody's going to go out and buy self-help books. I, I think this is hilarious. I think it's funny how people borrow truth from Christianity, repackage it as some other religion that lets you be in charge of your life, and people buy it left and right. I'm like, I think I've read that before. Oh, it's in the Bible. The book written by the man who says you have to make him your Lord. Well, I don't want that. I just want the, I want the, the principle that helps me be better in business, but I don't want to be him be my Lord. Right? Do you see what he's doing? I mean, are, are y'all getting this? He's calling us back to purity. And I love it. I hate it and love it all at the same time. Is that, is that too honest? Like, oh, man. Anyway, all right. John 15, 7. He's talking to his followers, and this is what he says. If you remain in me, he's talking about abiding, right? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So let's just try to bring this to a close. When I read that, the first thing I said to, to God was, ask whatever I wish, and it will be done. I've asked for stuff, and it wasn't done. Like, I don't understand that. And he's like, well, look at the first part. If you remain in me and I remain in you, I'm doing that, God. I'm abiding with you, right? And he's like, you read that way too fast, and you missed it. It doesn't say, if you remain in me and I remain in you. He says, if my words remain in you. Oh. So you're saying, I need to be in a place where I'm 100% full of your word. And if I'm in that place, I can ask whatever I wish, and it will be done. Oh. Oh. Oh, because if I was in that place, then whatever I wish is what you would wish. Right? I don't know if, if I can say that I've ever been in a place where I was 100% full of his words remaining in me. We just get mad at him because he didn't do the second part. And he's up in heaven going, why don't you do the first part? So the great crash. My heart aches, y'all, for a world that is experiencing a great crash. For a church that is experiencing a great crash. And what I want you to know is that the Father's not up in heaven going, told you. That's not his heart at all. He was telling them these verses preemptively. Y'all know what preemptively means? Like before something happened. He was like, look, I just preached this Sermon on the Mount. Really good stuff in here, y'all. Probably if you spent the rest of your life only meditating on this, you'd be good to go. But don't just meditate on it, also do it. Because, by the way, if you'll hear these words and do them, you won't experience a crash. You'll experience a storm. Raise your hand if you've experienced a storm. Everybody, right? Even Millie. <laughs> kind of experiencing a storm right now, right? We're like, well, she's too, too cute, and I see you smiling at me. I know, you're talking. Everybody experiences storms. 
But he's like, but if you'll hear these words and do them, put them into practice. How many of you know it doesn't happen on the first time? You've got to practice the things of God. Then you'll have a house that won't come down when the storm hits. But a storm is coming. And it will prove whether we've heard and done the word of God. He's calling us back to a place where we honor his word. And where we build our life on the right foundation. So we're going to respond. Um, can we, can the band come and if only there were a song we've done today that fits with this theme. <laughs> what, you mean all of them? All of them, y'all. <laughs> like this is the evidence of our lives, right? The evidence of his goodness is how he, he fulfills his word in our lives. I think what I want to focus us on right now is simply the foundation. It's all about the foundation. Next week, we'll talk about why it's so important, right? But today, I just need us to examine our lives and ask ourselves this question. Am I building my life on the right foundation? When I've shared this years ago, when I was in college, Y'all can start playing. You won't bother me at all. When I was in college, um, I was leading a Bible study, and the, the professor who, was, who had asked me to lead it, he came to me after a couple of months, and he said, Paul, I just want to ask you a question. I know this is going to be hard to believe, y'all, but in college, I was really into bodybuilding. It's true. It wasn't into me, but I was really into bodybuilding. Um, I was all about fitness. I was in a gym all the time. I know it's, it's still evident, but. I see no evidence on your body. It's falling apart. Um, sorry, Josh. But he came to me one day and he said this. He said, hey, Paul. I know you love to work out, you love to lift weights, you love all that stuff. But let me ask you a question. What's, what's going to happen when you can't do that? I was like 20-something, 20 21 years old. I'm like, I ain't never going to not be able to do this, right? I mean, come on, look at it. And he was like, no, I want you to think about it. What if you couldn't work out? And that's an identity question, right? If you couldn't do that thing that's become your identity, then what would your identity be? That's what this is all about. And when we build our lives on the wrong foundation, and the wrong foundation, let me be clear, is anything but Jesus, right? A lot of people building their faith on their feelings. Mm. But God is calling a church back to a place of emotional health, spiritual health. A place where we can, I hope this isn't too personal, but Wednesday night in prayer, Chase got up and shared an amazing testimony about Grant and just how God touched him. And as Grant was sharing, I loved how he started. He got up and he said, I'm saying this with all due respect to the Para family. This is how intimacy is shared experience because our body is becoming intimate, unified, because... 
we recognize that we're not the only ones going through it. And as Chase was talking, I was over here just like looking at him, kind of my back was to Renee, and I just reached my hand out and took her hand, right? Like, we're going to get through this. We are going to get through this. That's the work he's doing in our body. And I'm telling you, he's keeping people, the masses away. I mean, it's, it's full, right? I'm not, it's not about not getting more people. He's, he's keeping them away because he's hiding us in a cave because he's preparing us for something. That's the topic next week, okay? We'll wrap the whole series up with that because he's helping us get to where we can share the experience one with the other. Now listen to this statement, and then we're going to come, we're going to, I'm going to call you to, to respond. When we're emotionally healthy, we can feel every emotion deeply without following any emotion fully. Let me break it down. We can feel every emotion deeply because we know that they're real without following any emotion fully because we know they're not always true. You can only respond fully in the moment when you are built on a foundation that is not shaking. And if your foundation is your opinion or CNN's opinion or Fox News, I would recommend off both of those for a long time. If your opinion is built on what your, the latest trending Twitter is, if it's, built on, if it's built on any of that stuff, you're always going to be, what does James say? A double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And that's not a church that can birth revival. I, I never want to give birth, for the record. I know our society is moving in some really weird directions. And when they ask for a volunteer to be the first man to give birth, my hand ain't going up. And if I had to give birth, I would want it to be in the perfect environment, right? Like, don't put me in a car stuck in traffic on the L.A. freeway with, like, some joker from the car behind me going, I'm a doctor, kind of, right? I don't want to give birth in an earthquake. I want things to be secure. So does God. He wants us to be secure as we birth the move of God into our city. And that's why he's giving us this beautiful, intimate season. And I'm asking you, church, not to waste it. Don't waste this time. Don't, don't talk yourself out of responding to his call back, right? I shared this at the end of the message last week. If you move really far this way, it's great if you went all this way. But if you realize you went in the wrong direction, you have to now come back just to get back to ground zero. And what I need you to see in this parable that Jesus shared with his this teaching at the end is he was saying this. It's not enough just to realize that your house crashed. You also have to look at the foundation, likely the most expensive and hidden part of the building, and realize, oh, snap, I got to even rebuild that. That's why it fell with a great crash. Because in that moment is a lot of regret, 
a lot of, I have wasted a lot of time. I have wasted a lot of resources in the wrong direction. And he's calling the church to repent and come back just to get back here. And I'm telling you, our good father wants to get us back to square one so he can begin to rebuild the foundation of our lives. All right, let's just respond. They're going to start to play. And I'm just going to ask you to listen to Cecil. This, this is in line with what Pastor Paul is saying. Um, 17th of February, 2022 is basically Debbie and I and our son's 30th anniversary in the Lord. Um, we, we walked into church much like this 30 years ago, not knowing a thing about God and felt his love and 30 years later it's history. But the thing the Lord wants me to share with all of us the hardest lesson I've had, but the most valuable lesson I've had is you've just heard it is about the foundation upon which you build your life. And he has had to take me, me, a man, the head of my household, the husband, through some things to rebuild the foundation upon which our marriage and our life stands. But the most sweet scripture in the Bible and everybody takes James as such a hard teacher, but the most sweet scripture that he wants me to share with you is in James chapter 4. He says, humble yourself under my mighty hand, and I will lift you up in due time because I give grace to the humble. And what he's asking us to do is not work our way to his presence. It's just come and lay it at his feet and say, Lord, I don't even know what to do with this mess. He helped us turn our finances around. He helped us turn our marriage around. He helped us turn uh, the ministries we were in all over uh, the world. And, and so I think my heart as a father and as an elder in this church is to encourage all of you to respond by just coming and laying it at his feet. And don't pick it up and don't pick anything up until he picks you up. Because it's on that firm foundation that you can do everything that Pastor Paul spoke about and is built on his love for you first. If you know you need to respond, I want you just to start making your way this way while I share this last thing. I, I, a lot of you have asked me about the key around my neck. I'm trying to share more and more about this. We're, we've, our, we'll share this when it's the appropriate time, but our family has been through it. We're not the only family. A lot of families have been through it. Everybody's got their own it. But I remember praying that verse that said, um, the verse that says God's given us weapons, and the weapons that we fight with are not carnal, right? And I said to God, I know weapons of, like, the word and worship. I know that, but, like, are there things that are from me, like weapons from me, right? And he, and he showed me a key in my mind. And I was like, oh, sweet. I've seen people wearing keys. I can, like, have a weapon and be trendy all at the same time. He's like, no, no, just, just, let's just talk a little bit more. What unlocks a door? I was like, a key. And he said, no. The door unlocks when you put the key in it and you turn it. It's like, holy cow. We got to act on what we know. God turns things around because he activates the body. What did he say? 
to his disciples, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. The church today is super content to just walk around going, I got keys, y'all. No, no, no. He gave you keys to use them. Put them in the things that are locked and activate. Turn the key. God turns things around when the body turns the key. Right? And so this morning, I'm asking you to activate, to act on what you've heard. I'm asking you to respond, to come and repent. I don't feel like I need to. <laughs> you've been trusting your feelings a long time, and they got you nowhere. I wouldn't trust them now. I would just act on the truth that you've heard. I would come and find a place here, and I would repent and ask God, rebuild, God. Rebuild my foundation on the Word. God, give me a hunger for your Word. Come on. Come on. I want you to stand, church. Either you're going to respond to the front or you're going to respond by singing. That's the two choices right now. We're just going to lift up praise in this room. We're going to surround those that are responding with the sound of worship and praise. You might have somebody that's up the front that you want to pray with. Come on, just put your hand on their shoulder. Let's just begin to pray with them. Let's stand with our friends as they come to the Lord. God, we are coming in repentance. We are coming, God, to lay our lives before you and to ask you for a rebuild. We're repenting, God, of all the ways that we've been busy about good things on a bad foundation. And we're asking you to restore to us, God, a hunger for your truth. Restore to us, God, a hunger to only know what you say is true and to trust that more than even what we think about it, God. Yeah, just a moment when we begin to sing I want you at the front especially I want you to sing this as a declaration I want you to sing it saying to God this is what I'm doing with my life right now
Matthew 3, 8, John the Baptist said to people who were, he was preaching to them about repentance, and he said, produce fruit in keeping with your repentance. And it's, it comes across like a really angry thing, because he's John the Baptist, right? And so he's like dressed weird, and he's like, produce fruit with repentance. But it's the truth. Like, when there's godly repentance, guess what happens? We produce fruit, right? Like, you ever walked in um, an apple tree orchard? Is that what they're called? Have you ever heard an apple tree going, uh, uh, trying to produce an apple? No. They just exist and then apples, right? Like, it's just what happens. So I say that to those of you who have responded because, listen, one of the tricks of the enemy is to convince you now to go work super hard to do all the opposite things you've been doing. This is not about working. This is about abiding. I heard this quote from John Ortberg, and we'll leave it with this. He said, Jesus was willing to do things more slowly if it allowed him to be with his followers more deeply. Y'all, he just wants to abide with you. That's it. That's what foundations are all about. They cost a lot of money sometimes, and they take a lot longer than we want. But he recognizes the value of them. And so he's not in a hurry. I don't want you to be in a hurry. We're not in a hurry. Just let's get the foundation right. Just let him abide. Get that foundation right. So God, we thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, God, for the correction that comes through your word. And, and today, if, if nothing else, God, we're trusting the correction. We're trusting a, a Father who loves us enough to meet us when we've gone farther than we ever meant to go, away from you, and you're just calling us back. That's the evidence of the goodness of God. And so we just say, Lord, keep us in this place. You're not trying to fix us. You're simply healing us right now. This is just a place where we can abide with you. And I pray, God, John 15, 7, over these that have responded, that as you abide with them, your word would abide in them. God, do that work, I pray. 
in your name, Jesus. Somebody say amen. 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 Somebody say let's eat. Hey, listen, if this is your first time with us, there's food out there in the lobby, and it's for you, right? So y'all just go grab some food, eat, hang out, talk. If you got kids in the back, go get your kids first, and then go take them to get food as well. Thanks for being here this morning. We'll see you next week and Wednesday night at prayer.